Welcome to Wild Wonders Why, a companion podcast too smart enough to know better. This episode is titled, Did You you Have have a a Choice? Do you have free will? Do you actually have a choice in actually switching on this podcast today and listening to it? Did that choice start when you woke up this morning? Did that choice start when you were conceived? Did that choice start at the start of the universe? Or did you not have a choice at all? We're talking about free will. And of course, if I'm going to talk about free will, I've got to have the man who saps the will from my body every day. And that's Dan JJ JJ Beeson. Hello, Dan. Hello. Well, me, me, I'm welcome on Wow Wonders Why. <laughs> and if we're talking all things philosophy, we need to get pop out our resident philosopher, Kevin Lowe. Hello, Kevin. Hello. Always a pleasure to be here. And hi, Dan. We meet again. Yeah. Yeah. We know each other, listeners. Mm. <laughs> I'm so glad. It's, oh, it's so cozy in here. Right. Let's get down to it. Free will. What? What's all that about? What's is it? Is it a thing? Am I just a meat robot powered by electricity following a program punch card of bad, terrible, awful life choices? Who made those life choices? And can I get a new program installed, please? What's up with everything? Or am I a freewheeling, etheric being that can make it? Am I a god that's just been put in flesh, like some sort of weird Gnostic thing? What's is it, was it somewhere in the middle? How it's do we... the first one. Oh, excellent. Oh, well, that's, we're done, everyone. Oh, cool, we're robots, full of lightning. Podcast over. But it was always going to be over because we are meat robots. We are. <laughs> excellent. I'm glad At the that... dawn of time, the moment the Big Bang happened, nanoseconds afterwards, it was encoded into the fabric of the cosmos that this would be a very, very short podcast. Brilliant. All right, then. Thanks, everyone, for and listening in. I could, actually, I could, I, and I could prove it, too, kind of. In that, uh, <laughs> when I listen back to this in like six months' time, I'm going to listen to the setup and I'm going to go, if I was there, I'd make a joke about uh, by being really, really specifically anti free will right about now. And then I'll hear myself do it and I'll go, ah, oh, it's all predetermined. <laughs> all of my brain meat was like ready to tell that joke and that specific joke. Right, there you go. There you have it. Well, look, that sounds like we've all got to solve. Tell philosophy, free will, it's not a thing. We're done. This podcast finally solved it in under two minutes, I think. But how oh. do you define free will? Oh, dear, here we go. Here, oh, Kevin's going to make everything <laughs> difficult. The philosopher. Well, that's the thing. Philosophers have tried to define free will, and I won't say they've been very successful, but one definition of free will some philosophers like is that you're acting on the basis of your own free will if the cause of your action is inside you. So if I point a gun at you and say, drop your pants, and you drop your pants, the cause was outside you in some sense, it was the person with the gun. Or if I used a mind control ray, the cause would be outside you. But if the cause originated between your ears, they would say, that is sufficient to make it free will. It doesn't matter if it was determined since the beginning of the universe, it's still free will if the causal chain passed through what's between your ears and came out the other side. But that what makes that free? It's free as distinct from being constrained by outside forces. If I lock you in a prison cell and you don't leave, that's not your free will because you can't leave even if you want to. If I open the door and you still stay inside, they would say that is your free will because you could have done something else and you didn't. You stayed there or you left because of things that went on inside your brain. Something inside your brain made you sit there or made you walk out. 
And they'll say, that's what free will is. It's that you chose to do it. Why do you choose to do it? Doesn't matter. Or they say, what's important is you chose to do it. There is a special place for the human brain, or the, the bit between your ears. There's something special about that. It's an unknowable black box, or, or yeah, basically, it's it's not it's different to a rock or a tree or something else. Like There's something special about the human brain. We're putting well, it on a pedestal. It, oh no, it's, it's oh, kind of just a chemistry set that's separated by your skull from the, all the chemistry sets outside your skull. But, well, no, that's not. That's not what it's saying. It's not saying necessarily that your brain is non-deterministic. It's just saying that they have defined free will so that free will is the deterministic chemistry set between your ears making things happen. So if I grab your arm and throw you out the window, that's not free will. If something between your ears, crazy or not, makes you jump out the window, that's free will. They could both be deterministic, but by that definition of free will, you jumping out the window was free will because something between your ears made you do it that the causal chain led through the meaty chemistry set between your ears kevin i'm already a bit disturbed the three examples you've given so far was to make me drop my pants put me in prison or throw me out a window i'm just I have a fancy life <laughs> before we can even start we have to try and define it so there's one definition that as long as the choice as long as it's made in between your ears for some reason then that is that's considered decision i this being ostensibly a science podcast or at least an offshoot of a science podcast kind of a science podcast anyway then i want to try and give a a, a more physicsy kind of one just one thing this doesn't make it the the one i'm just what i was looking into the idea with i've written this down so that free will can be defined as is it possible to work out hang on where's my notes i have notes here yes that your choices are fundamentally random that no future brain tech could scan the human brain like magical future super tech could scan the human brain and say greg was going to do x right now in the past or in the future so it has to be a random a random choice basically on some level if it's not random if it's deterministic then it's not free will you're just a program machine like a steam engine is going to spin its wheels and it can't choose to not spin its wheels but if it's random then that's not free will either that's just random no no but the, like, the, you may as well make all your decisions with a dice well some look that's we can go down that path later on of course but as in you're still making a decision but no machine could tell you what decision you were going to make you've made a decision but the 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 substrate of your brain some part of you that makes it is going to work on a random level just because things are random doesn't mean emergent properties can't come out of them well, I think what might be going on here is that we're not properly splitting up random and unknowable. Something can be unknowable but not random, and it could be random but not unknowable. Uh, if I was a sufficiently good physicist uh, and I could roll the dice and then predict at the moment it left my hand what face was going to come up based on the surface it was going to land on the wind and all that sort of thing. Uh, but maybe, you know, if the dice was rolled inside a black box, no one could know. So if you were just a random number generator that between your ears was a random number generator and it's completely random with no thought involved what you do in each second, we wouldn't be able to know what you could do. But that might not mean it's not deterministic in some sense. It could just be that we can't see inside the black box to see the little gears whirring in the random number generator. And uh, I think a lot of physicists have the idea, which I think is right but unprovable, that the whole universe 
we could predict exactly how the whole universe could go if only we were smart enough and had enough information. Well, that was definitely a 20th century and a 19th century idea. It's sort of changing now. I don't want to use the Q word because we, we, that goes, look, mm. just, it's a, I, I'm not like... QAnon? Well, yeah, definitely. We, we're definitely not. <laughs> we're definitely not going to mention that keyword. No quantum. I, I, I think we'll have to get back to quantum later on, but I'm not mentioning quantum in the woo state. We're not talking about quantum as the, the modern word for magic. Because something people I've read somewhere that people go, well, the human brain is a quantum computer, and you're like, oh, I, mm, okay, no, no, mate. Mm. Anyway, but well, I mean, I think like, we've got sort of three conceptions of how humans could be in play here. Let's call them the robot version, where we're a deterministic robot and you could predict exactly what we're going to do every second. Then there's the random fuzzy robot where we don't have free will, but we can't predict what we're going to do because of keyword uncertainty or lack of information or something like that. Uh, and finally, there's sort of the free will option, which is sort of the Cartesian idea that somehow we transcend the laws of physics and we are uncaused causes, that we do things of our own free will that we chose that do not flow from the state of the universe one second ago. They're somehow new causes coming out of nowhere between our ears. So these are the three ideas in play. And the, the random robot is more plausible than the deterministic robot because of what we know about, I'm going to say it, quantum <laughs> We'll that get, stuff is yeah. unpredictable. Yeah. But fundamentally, we can't always predict what's going to happen. We, that, I think we can go down that path. I just want to jump back a little bit on the physics level. When I did my research, as in Wikipedia, and I came across Pierre Laplace, and Pierre Laplace in 1814 came up with the idea of the Laplace demon. And I really like this. So the Laplace demon concept is that if there was a magical supernatural creature that could know the state of every particle in the universe at a set time, so right now, boom, every particle in the universe, so it's, it's position and it's momentum, and had a perfect understanding of every law of the universe, then that demon, Laplace's demon, could then predict the entire universe forever. That was the idea of, of Laplace, of Pierre Laplace. So mm -hmm. if, if you could have this demon, then that makes the universe deterministic, and that means it could not be free will, according to Pierre Laplace and people who believe this idea, because it's, you're just following laws at that point. So that was like the old idea, uh, or, or one idea anyway, of the universe. We can like, update that a little bit for the modern understanding of physics and say maybe at the macro scale, a Laplace demon could predict the whole universe. They couldn't predict all the quantum events because they're inherently unknowable in advance. But where's that pool ball going to go? We can know that. That's deterministic. So at the scale that matters to us, to you and me, this demon could, you know, in the thought experiment, know everything that's ever going to happen. Except uh, that quantum, like quantum effects are going to have an effect on the macro scale eventually. That's That's the whole... That's the that's that's what Schrodinger's cat is all about. Is that it's it, it, it's still going to have an effect. I can give an even better one than that, Dan. That's not even quantum related. The three body yeah. problem. If you have uh, two things in orbit around each other, like the Earth and the Sun, and they're in orbit around each other, and you can get some pretty good laws, the like Kepler's laws. You can kind of say, in a million years' time, we're pretty confident that the Earth will be in this position if I know its position and its momentum and all the rest right now. And it, mm. It's we'll be within a certain level of, of error, but that's error based on our observations, not error of the, the maths. So we keep going round and round and round. But the moment you throw in a third body into the orbit let's say another orbit this is a bad example because another orbit around the earth the same same place as the earth around the sun i should say then it actually becomes really in fact impossible very quickly to work out where things are going to be 
things... Is it impossible or are physicists just slackers? Well, that's... <laughs> it's, they haven't worked out a way yet. The three-body problem is a big issue. What big are they issue. doing? Well, they don't well, even have to deal with biology and chemistry. They're still true. having trouble with three things. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. How are we even going to answer what, a, what is a frog? We don't even know what a fish is, ladies and gentlemen. It's a whole podcast about it. They can't even know what a fish is. But, uh, yeah, we can't work out planets. So the moment you throw in three things, it comes very, very random. Not random, but, yeah, no, I guess it is random. Things get thrown out of, of orbits really fast. And you can't say, in a short period of time, you can say what it is. But if you then fast forward a million years, no idea. Everything's gone. Things get flicked away. So even on a macro scale, things seem to go wibbly-wobbly, to use the Doctor Who science term, very, very quickly. And, Greg, you could probably confirm this because you're the physicist more so than I am, but my understanding is that suppose we've got an unstable isotope of plutonium, uh, one atom of it sitting in your office. Uh, oh, God! No, oh, yeah. God! Ah! Uh, oh, no, one, one. no one could oh, know, even in theory, when <laughs> that atom would decay into atoms and shoot a gamma ray out. Or oh, which God! That gamma I'm, ray the, is gonna I'm go. the Hulk! Yeah, uh, so potentially, like, no one could know in advance, even in theory, whether they would shoot a gamma ray into your brain, give you brain cancer, and you die in a year's time, or whether it would miss and you go on to change the world with your science communication and brilliant scientific insights. And since that's going to happen over and over again throughout human history, at the time of the Big Bang, uh, even with perfect non-quantum information, you've still got this possibility that little quantum events will happen, fire a gamma ray through Einstein's brain before he invents relativity, and... Uh, the whole course of human history has changed because of these quantum events going ping and flinging the macro scale world uh, into a different path. That's yeah, and, and that's, as far as I'm, I'm, I am not a particle physicist, so not my area entirely. But yes, the idea is that we can say the half life. We can say fifty percent of this radioactive material will 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 um, turn into something else in a period of time. So you can say this kilogram. 50, uh, 50, 500, 500 grams will, let's say, turn to lead in a million years, but we can't point at an atom and say that one will have turned into lead. It, that, that is unknowable, not just we, we're not good enough to know. It's not just slack physicists, as Dan likes to call us. So if that's, if, so that if that's the case, then from, from our point of view, everything in the future has a... a has an element of non-determinacy about it. But everything behind us, everything in the past, happened. Like, everything that's happened... Yep. ...happened. Yes. So at some point in the future, you will be able to look back on what's in <laughs> our current future and say... So at, at some point, everything that will have happened will have happened. Yes. And whatever that is, that's the, that's the deterministic... Like, that's the universe. Yes. Now, so yep. uh, are we... <laughs> Am I sort of, uh, uh, are we sort of ants crawling along a branch and everything ahead of us is, is fog? Mm-hmm. Or are we... Is the branch um, being created? Is the, is the branch growing in front of us or yep. is the branch already out there and we're just travelling along it? You have, the you have stumbled beautifully, Dan, into something called the block universe, the, the theory of the block universe. So imagine the universe is two-dimensional, not three dimensions, so, so only length mm-hmm. and breadth, and make time the third one. So we, you have these little 
block, basically, a, a, a rectangular prism, and each slice of the block is a tick in time, and you, the block grows over time. Now, the question is, as you just asked, is the block, you put another little bit of the block on top of the block, which is time, going up and up and up, or is the block always there, and we're just moving up through the block? Is time just our idea of where we are in the block? That's upsetting, isn't it? Well, it, that, it, from a monkey point of view, it doesn't matter because when we get when we get there, everything that has happened happened anyway. Like, yes. And, and but, all of the decisions that you make as a human, you're not you're never gonna you're you're never gonna make the second worst decision based on the information that you have at the time. Like that that's a ridiculous way of going about something. You may make a like what is ostensibly a bad social or fiscal decision. But that's going to be driven by what's going on in the chemistry in your brain, how hungry you are, how much you want to have sex with someone, all of these, <laughs> all of these monkey behaviours, and your environment at the time is is it's all going to crystallise into a point where it's like the decision, the best decision to, for the or the decision that I make is based on all of these things, and there are other decisions I could make but they don't adhere to my situation as crisply. And that's how a decision gets made. Yes. The notion that there is like a ghost in my head that is, is, is like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll make this decision. Thank you very much. Mm. It sort of means it, 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 it it's a, it's a sort of a, a supernatural and storytelling telling idea about how the decision is made as opposed to the the reality of the brain chemistry in the environment. But I, I see what you're saying. There's no, there's no little pilot behind your eyes pulling the levers, like in that movie, that DreamWorks movie, with you know anger and joy and sorrow mm. and that sort of stuff. There's... I think it was Pixar, but the oh, okay, edit out the. Of uh, course, it was Pixar. Like, Why DreamWorks? Yeah, it was good. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yes, that's right. But Inside Out, that's the one. There you go. Mm. Uh, worth watching. A fun little movie. Yes, and that's but. And you're right, Dan, but I think, once again, if we step backwards one spot, you're saying there's no little person inside your brain, and that's fair enough, and you're saying it's the chemistry, and you're saying, well, but chemistry can just be considered a little driver inside your brain. Can we can we just go backwards one more level and say there is a there is literally a ghost running you, like, like a, are you a god, or is it quantum effects in the universe, as in un, unknowable random effects that lead to chemistry, or is it is it or was it just laws at the start of time that's driving you right now it's, it's it, if you keep stepping surely, backwards surely it would be both it would be all of the chemistry that's already set up and quantum events happening at a very small level which uh, is chemistry anyway yeah pushing in on the yeah i well, guess i guess if we step all the, the way back if we, can, if we and maybe this is a silly idea i feel like and st please kevin step in at any moment you know? yeah. <laughs> um if you step all the way out of the universe which is not possible is is that a way of looking at it if you have a godlike view on on inside your brain if if the god dan could look inside monkey dan's brain would god dan see decisions being made based on a random substrate or would it be oh no no there is a decision actually is it deterministic are you just having your your levers pulled well that that god well, could just peek into the future a little bit and work out what decision did get made and then go back into the present and predict what well, it's not prediction then that's right, yeah. <laughs> yes that's, well yeah yeah well i think 
uh, what we what we can conclude so far is that we can rule out the totally deterministic universe where at the moment of the Big Bang, everything was locked in because we have reason to believe based on physics, that's not how the universe works. And we can also rule out the possibility that we ever could have that goddamn perspective because it's not possible for any being within this universe to know everything about this universe. You, where would you store all the data? There's nowhere to put it. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's so right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. How do you store the, the information of the universe in the universe? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's called the universe. Yes. Mm. Well. <laughs> so, just a big storage device. Well, then, but then, I mean, look. <gasps> what if we're the storage device? Well, what, well yeah, I was going to say, what happens if you have multiverses? Maybe you can shunt all the information from this universe into the next door universe, which is just our data drive. That's what that is. I hate multiverses, though. Oh, I hate multiverse theory. I hate it with a passion. But I could be wrong. I just, I just think it's, it, it's uh, Occam's razor, man. Anyway, that's a whole so, different thing. Let's talk about that. There's a Greg so, who doesn't believe. That. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. So I think you know, what, what we can say with a degree of certainty is that we're doing philosophy here in talking about the potential of God, Dan, particularly the universe, because there could never be in our physical universe such a being. Uh, we literally cannot ever know. So we're doing philosophy here. We're not doing science. We can't right, test to see mean. whether God, Dan, is, philosophy, <laughs> is possible. Uh, monkey, Dan. So and hang monkey on, so we can't, are you trying to say uh, we can't give a good God, Dan? Thank you very much. Hey! If you try to construct a scientific test for free will, if you think, I'm going to set up a lab with these people in it and these brain scanners and these gadgets and these lasers, and I'm going to test to see whether there's free will. No one's going to be able to come up with an experiment that actually does that. They're not going to be able to say, well, if this button gets pressed, you have free will. And if this button gets pressed, you don't have free will. Now, whatever happens, the free will people will tell a story and they'll say, well, the causal things between your ears, your reason supervening on the quarks that make you up, made you do that and you had free will and someone will say no you're just a pile of quarks doing stuff shut up you've got no free will quarks did quark stuff and you pushed the other button and you don't have free will no, we can't make an experiment like that so I think this and then they kiss into... they fight for a while oh, then they kiss yeah. and I, I think the difference between those two people is that one of them is going to like feel the sensation that they're thirsty and they're going to feel like they in their head they're going you know what I'm going to go and grab myself a drink mm. and the other person is like me who will be standing there in the kitchen with a cup of tea looking around going, how the f*** did I get here? <laughs> and also, I mean, in experiments talking about, you're saying with um, uh, Kevin talking about th these experiments, I get frustrated when I see these biology-based experiments and, and behavioural experiments where they said, oh, a decision, we put a sensors on the brain and on the, on the head, sorry, and then we look for electrical impulses and 30 microseconds before the person made their conscious decision to reach out and grab the ball, their, their, a, a, a signal went off in their brain and started the, sig the, the, the um, reaching out for the ball signal inside the brain. Therefore, they didn't make that decision. Before, and you go, no, 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 no. Th their subconscious started making a decision. You are your subconscious as much as you are your conscious. So your conscious brain didn't know why you were making that decision. But lots of inputs went into the subconscious brain that led to the decision being made. That just not, You didn't go, I will move my arm. Go, arm, go, and then send the signals down. You're, you are, your subconscious is just as much your conscious. I get very frustrated with that idea. But do you have free will if it's just, if it's just your subconscious 
acting as the driver, telling you exactly what you have to do. But you are your subconscious. Cool? You are your subconscious. We've already determined this. <laughs> okay, so you're one of those people who thinks that you have free will yes. if the cause of your action is inside yourself. It's inside. Yes. You don't know it's there. It's your subconscious. But you think my free will is the fact that sometimes my subconscious makes me do things. Well, no, well, because because we, I, yes, I agree. But step back once again. We said before. I think it's because uh, down the bottom of the human brain is made of matter. Matter is not deterministic as in the lowest level the atoms follow a there is a a fuzziness around their position and their momentum that's going to lead to unknowable states the 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 quantum state basically uh we're not going to know i'm not saying i am not saying the human brain is a quantum computer i am not saying that it's uh, it gets me going but but you the the base of the of all matter is has a quantum fuzziness to it, and it's unknowable. And if it's unknowable, as you said before, then then we can't we can at least say that potentially that a decision can be made. Uh, emergent properties can come from it that isn't deterministic. Um, I did read an article about how we're, we're, our thinking is all done with like dendrites and stuff, and it's like the, where the thoughts are being processed is very 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 small. The point where it's so small that quantum events are going to be occurring in at, like at the very base and it would be like it would be like every single leaf on a tree having like this quantum state but at some point you'd look at the whole tree and you can tell whether they're all all the leaves are green or all the leaves are orange and how how healthy the tree is now Greg you you don't like the sound of that I no that's fine it's um it's well, it, that's the thing that you're rebelling against yeah yeah it is computer no, no, idea yeah, yeah, it, it is. No, I'm, I'm just. I don't think it's a quantum computer. I think that that means something else. I think, and I know what you're saying. As in, there's a quantum. Basically, I think we're saying very similar things. On the, if you're on a granular level, you can see the the the, the bits of the brain, the neurons, and the, and that sort of stuff. It starts getting very, very small, and you start getting quantum effects across them. That doesn't necessarily make it a quantum computer, though. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I think this has come up a couple of times, and I think it's probably time to grab it and nail it down and put a stop to that. Uh, we're equivocating here, I think, between being a random number generator robot and having free will. You're saying uh, if your brain is a random number generator and you're just acting randomly, that's free will. And I think the people who are worried about free will wouldn't be very happy with that. They want to think that it's them making the choices. You say, no, you do have free will. So it's just, it's totally random. The universe is rolling dice and you're doing whatever the dice say. They say well, that's not free will. I want it to be me making the choices. So I think we have to keep distinct the idea of whether we're a random robot or a programmed robot who does behave predictably or whether we're something else, not random, not programmed, making choices for ourselves. I mean, that's what the free will believer wants to believe. Uh, and they wouldn't be happy with just being a random robot. They want to be something more than a random robot. For me, or it's even unknowable. Robot. Yeah, I think I think I I think where I said I'm not saying is what it is, but where I sit on it, it is unknowable. The the substrate of our decision making, you cannot know at some level. It's like there's a plank length of the universe. You can't go smaller than a certain length. There's a plank time. You can't go smaller than a small amount of time. I think there is a level to the human brain or the human thinking thing uh, that is unknowable. I don't know if that makes it random it could be deterministic inside that unknowableness but if you can't science is the study of what we can know so therefore if you can't know it then it gives me a place to say well it could be free will in in the, in the sense you're talking about free will kevin as in i made this decision or it could be free will in the way that i think it works which is actually random decisions are made not random as in i'm just suddenly going to leap out a window and die i still follow the you know the there's still causal links to my past uh, that we follow, but what's the what's the value of free will over 
deterministic human behaviour? Well, a big one is that our society is based on the idea that we are morally responsible for our actions and we deserve things. That you say, that person, he's in prison, he deserves to be in prison. That person, she has a good job and earns a lot of money. She deserves to have that money and that job. If you take away free will, all of that falls away. Why do they... They didn't make any decisions that led them to be in prison. It was just random or it was determined at the time of the Big Bang. So we can't hate them. We can't, we can't say they're morally bad and they deserve to suffer. You know, they might be dangerous, but they're not morally bad. And that rich person who worked hard their whole life, well, they were always going to work hard their whole life. That's just how their brain was wired up. So they're uh, getting so, what's coming to them. They're getting hmm. what they deserve. Yeah, our economic system and prison system are all based on the idea that you ought to get what you deserve. And if we have no free will, that completely undercuts that, I think. There's no more basis to say, I deserve this. And you say, well, you didn't deserve it. You were just lucky. You have to be born into the fleshy meat robot suit that happened to carve that predetermined course through time to the point where now you're a government minister. But you don't deserve it. It just happened. This, look, there's a whole... It's a whole question there. I mean, beyond beyond free will, I think that's a very important thing to remind people. I mean, without getting into it, but the whole concept of privilege or that sort of good stuff. Somebody goes, I, I got here by pulling myself up by my own bootstraps. And you're like, yeah, you're a white dude born into a middle-class society with a good education. No, pretty- but take, take that away. Take, imagine that you are a, a black, gay, disabled, non-neurotypical uh, member of a minority religion. What other minorities can we pile on here? What have I missed? Uh, and transsexual. Suppose we have a person like that. They've got every single thing in the universe stacked against them. They were born in the most poor and impoverished part of the most poor and impoverished country. And then 30 years later, they pull themselves up by their bootstraps and they're a billionaire. And their partner is a model and they drive a sports car. So what? They didn't deserve it. I mean, they've got no moral right to it. They just have to be born into a meat puppet body that was going to do those things. Uh, even they don't deserve it. Privilege is relevant. But if they overcame the privilege, they still haven't earned it. You know, they were just born into a lucky meat puppet spot. We just lost all our listeners, by the way. Everyone, everyone just left. No, I'm just saying this should be a threat to underprivileged people who have made it and people struggling for social justice, too. Uh, you, if you... Even the racists, I mean, if we have no free will, racists aren't doing anything morally bad. They were just born into the meat body that was going to say racist things and do racist things. They have no more choice about it than we do in not being racist, because no one here is racist, of course. We would lose podcast listeners if we were racist. Now, and the thing is, their, their behaviours still need to be rectified, so mm. we, they still need to be punished by society. Or, but or, or does, fixed or, or helped. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily punished. That's a, that's a whole thing, but, different thing there. But that's especially when it comes to punishment for people whose behaviours need to be rectified, is we we kind of want free will to exist because then we don't feel bad about the fact that they're being punished for something they did wrong. But if free will doesn't exist, then we have to feel guilty. Like, we're going to feel guilty about that and go, oh, well, that doesn't seem right. That well, doesn't no, no. seem fair. Why would I feel and, guilty about that? Because, because it was obviously the way the universe was going to make it. So why should I feel guilt about something that is totally out of my control? It's just the universe being the universe. It's not my fault. I was always I, determined to put you in jail because you were determined to, to fire gamma rays at my brain. I think there's a difference between free will existing and living like and making your decisions or well, experiencing things like free will doesn't exist i feel like because step- they are two separate things are we stepping into nihilism here is this what nihilism is As yeah, in- I, well you've been there for a while but, <laughs> um, but right now in this conversation where where 
this is what nihilism is, is it nothing matters because everything's determined, nothing you do matters, so you might mm. as well just do whatever you like. And of course, like. Thing, things mattering is not a question of free will so much as monkeys telling stories to each other. Mm. Like, if things matter, then that changes your... If, if your brain is telling you things matter, that changes your behaviour. Yes. So it's storytelling informing the universe. Yes. Okay, yes. It's all right. So we're we're, we're stepping now. We're just, we just I think we're, I mean, once again, Kevin, help us out here. I feel we're <laughs> stepping. I feel we're stepping into just general philosophy now. We're stepping away mm. from free will and just going philosophy. What's all that about? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, we've got. Uh, I think I mean part of what I was trying to get at is that we feel in some sense like it's good that bad things happen to bad people. Like at the end of an action movie, the bad guy's got to die in some spectacular and horrible way. Uh, that's emotionally satisfying to us. It would mm. be unsatisfying if at the end of Die Hard, John McClane pulled out his turn bad guy's good ray and shot the bad guy with the ray and <laughs> he was good. And then everyone went home happy. And then, you know, the other bad guy jumps out of a fountain with a gun and then he fires his ray gun at that guy. And he's a good guy too now. I love the idea at the end. John McClane's got a, the, the good ray attached to his back and he starts laughing. And Hans Gruber's like, <laughs> and he says, and Hans Gruber's like, oh, I'm so sorry, uh, 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 Mr. Diehard. Your wife is, have a million dollars. I go to jail now. Or, or, or it's as simple as, happy trails, Hans. Boom. And he goes, you know what? I think I will have happy trails. Yes. Thank you, Ooh. Mr. Diehard. Thank you, Mr. Hard. Mr. Hard. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, are, in some sense, I mean, people are like you, they hear about a terrible crime is committed and then the person who committed is taken away in chains to be put in prison and it's going to suck in prison and they're happy because it's going to suck for them. And, and they also tell themselves a story that's going to fix them. It's going to suck for them, but it will fix them. That's the, our cultural narrative about imprisonment. And you know, whether it's true or not, a lot of people, it makes them happy. But if I don't think most people do think that. I think most people, they want revenge and they, they just go, great, that person hurt that person, so therefore... I want that person I, to hurt. I, and I'll a, contest that. I think that if those same people heard a story where, where they said, I went to jail and uh, it I turned everything around for me and now I work as a locksmith and uh, and and I've got a family, people would go, oh, that's good. That's good. Like they, they, that would make them happy as well. Okay, or even right, if right, you said, right. I was a bad guy, I was a gangster, I was a murderer, I did 20 years hard time and I'm still a morally horrible person, but I'm afraid of going back to prison, so now I don't commit crime anymore. Mm, mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I got whacked in the head so many times that now I'm a bad dog and I won't pee on the carpet anymore. Mm. Mm, mm. Okay, sorry. sorry I, just, I apologise for kicking in with my nihilism. Uh, so, yeah, if we take all that away, if we say there is no free will, we don't choose what happens to us, then we lose the ability to morally judge anybody else. What they're doing is either predetermined and they had no choice, or it was random, or, or it was unknowable, and we can't tell if it wasn't random. You know, we can't want to make people suffer anymore. We might want to change their behaviour, but we can't want to make them suffer more than is needed to do that, and we can't hold on to our stuff past you know, a very limited degree to which personal property is needed for society to work. I, I, I don't think society would work if I could just walk into someone else's house and take the computer, because then someone would walk into my house and take my computer, and neither of us could do our work, because we haven't got a computer, and we're all kind of break down. There needs to be some sort of rules about stuff, but we don't need to say, this person has set up a business, and they've expanded worldwide, now they're a billionaire, so they're entitled to keep the billions. We say, well, no, there's no free will involved, there's no credit, there's no blame, we'll just take that off you. And you have not been wronged because it wasn't you in a morally important sense that chose to do it. So 
where do we stand then? Has anyone had any major epiphanies that we would like to share at this point? Well, let's just go through one of the, one of the time and see where we stand on this. So, Dan, would you like to start? Uh, I I haven't changed my mind at all. I don't think that free will exists because, uh, as I said before, everything that's going to have happened is going to have happened. So that, that it involves some sort of magical ghost being able to change the universe. And that's a very arrogant way of looking at the universe, I think, to, to say, oh, well, I'm going to impress myself upon it, as opposed to just I am a tiny little droplet within it. I see that. I'm going to just, to just to question what you said then. We talked about the block universe very quickly before. I feel your point of view requires that somehow you can step out of the block universe and say that there is a future that exists, physically exists on some level. You believe the future is, is, a, is a thing that exists that you can go look at where I yes, don't believe. Yes, I, and I don't. So that's, that's fine. There's not, there, there are physicists who would absolutely believe what you're saying there, that's organized. I'm not in that category. So I, I disagree with that. I mean, I just don't. Uh, you're fooling yourself. Well, obviously, obviously, that's, that, yes, yeah. but but as in, how did they let you into physics? <laughs> I mean, web design, and I've worked this stuff out. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so, uh, so yeah. So I believe that you would have to step out of the universe. I don't believe you can step out of the universe because that's what the universe means. Uh, so in my in my take on it, there is free will on something that can be construed as free will or looked as free I will. Have, I don't have to step out of the universe. I just have to be patient, Greg. Well, <laughs> but you still and have I'll a. Sh- I'll show you what what the, yes, what, what the decisions yes, were made. Yes, but but what I believe is if the, in the block universe concept that the there's almost like um the past is known the past exists the past has happened the past is crystallized imagine it as a as a liquid oh imagine it as a, a 3d resin printer there you go oh cool I'm, I'm cool with the kids now and and as the universe is moving through time it's solidifying the layer of the universe i'm doing a lot of hand gestures for a podcast it's mm-hmm. really useful uh so it's solidifying the universe each level and each tick of time is another solidification but the above me is is the unknowable superposition of the universe it's not you can't see what it is and we don't know what it's going to be there's no outside to go look at so at this point in time there are you just look at the cad file that you Made it into the computer. Ah, but so there is no, am, I break, am I breaking down the analysis? No, 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 no. I think that's a really good. We'll get back to that. I think that's an important point. So, in, in my idea, it's basically it's being filmed. But as you just said, there's a CAD file. But no, no that file is is an algorithm. It isn't a. We're going to make a picture of a of a of a human being. It's going to be. This will lead to this. This will lead to this. This will lead to X, Y, and Z. It's unknowable, but it's going in a certain direction. So I feel there is something that we can perceive as free will because the superposition of the universe has not yet crystallized yet. But that's so. I think there is something that looks like free will, even though it's coming from deterministic matter. Well, it's not deterministic matter because on some level it's not deterministic, but macro matter deterministic. Right. Phew. That makes okay. sense. I think that made sense. Uh, yep. Yeah, I get it. Um, I disagree with Dan because um, I think Greg is right. That Yay! End of podcast! Uh, to an extent. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, watch right it, watch it, wait, wait. That we cannot know if watch we have the prestige or not. Yeah. We cannot know if we have free will or not because there's no experiment that will tell us if we have free will or not. There are experiments that show us we're not in a strictly deterministic universe, but that's all. So we could live in a universe where we're random number robots, or we could live in a universe where we have free will, and you can't tell. Science can't tease those two possibilities apart. So in a sense, it's a philosophical or religious leap of faith to leap to the conclusion, I'm just a random number robot, or to leap to the conclusion, I have free will. 
Uh, for me, I think the useful definition of free will is the one where it's free will if the causal chain flows between your ears. It's your thoughts and choices and logic that determine what you do. And since I can't know for certain whether this was all determined or all random or whether I am really decided, I might as well act like I'm really deciding. And that gives me reason to do things like try to develop critical thinking and logic and reasoning skills, uh, because that makes it more likely that the causes originating between my ears will lead to the outcomes I want. And I'd say that in the same way that wings still play a causal role in flight as oh, what was the philosopher's name? Namius, I think. Uh, Namius said, a bird's wings are made of quarks, but that doesn't mean that wings don't play a causal role in flight. And my brain is made of quarks. That doesn't mean my brain doesn't play a causal role in what I choose to do. Okay. All right. So listeners, wonderful, gentle, lovely, sexy listeners, what do you think? Did you have free will? Did you have any choice to listen to this podcast? Do you have any choice which one do you believe? Do you believe Dan? Do you believe Don't Greg? Remind them that they have a choice not to listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm programming them. I'm programming them. Or did you have no choice? Did you? Were you always going to pick Dan? Were you always going to pick Greg? What's weird, what's weird is if you're picking Dan, I love the fact that well, the universe. If Dan's right, then then you had, yes, you were going to pick Dan. But if you're picking Kevin or myself, then you're deterministically picking the fact that you think there's no determinism. <laughs> yeah. Now the thing is, the thing is, Greg, that we're all storytelling monkeys, so mm. even though well, I don't you think are. free will I, I is a thing... I don't know what I am, so it's fine. I mean, free will isn't a real thing, but nor is money or gender or duty or Christmas, mm. but they still mean things to monkeys. Mm. So it's a powerful storing, storytelling tool to help monkeys survive. So we live like they're real, and things are better because we live like they're real. Ah, I love that idea. Thank you very much, Dan. That was actually quite disturbingly uh, cogent. Hmm. Yeah, well, I I decided to say it. (laughs) And I think in an important sense, there are two me's. There's me that's a big pile of quarks. And I'm completely unconscious of what most of this big pile of quarks is doing at any one time. What's the blood flow in my toe like? I've got no idea. But there's a tiny little part of me that is self-reflective, that is conscious of what it's thinking and what it's doing. And that's the bit of me I care about the most. Uh, The other bits of me are in some sense optional. I could lose my foot. And that would suck, but the little bit of me that is conscious of itself being conscious would still go on, still be okay with that. And so I think what that bit of me considers Uh, free will is when that bit of me feels like its decisions drive action. So I evaluate a bunch of different smartphones with my conscious little bit of me, and the conscious little bit of me says, that's my favorite smartphone for these reasons it seemed good, and I do the thing. That to me is free will, and I think that is a real thing. I think that that part, self-conscious part of me does make decisions and then carry out those decisions. Now the bit of me that's conscious of me being conscious is conscious of me, myself being conscious being conscious. And now now it's conscious of <laughs> me being conscious uh, of me being conscious of me being... God, I hate having Kevin on the podcast. And and as the, as the Oracle said in the second Matrix movie, what will really bake your noodle is whether you would have knocked over the vase if I hadn't mentioned it at all in the first place. Deep, deep, everyone. Look, Mm. thank you very much, Dan, for coming on and and helping us out. And thank you very much, Kevin, for coming on and confusing the issues that ever, Kevin. I don't know why we have you on. It's upsetting and just awful. No, thank you very much. Always a pleasure. 
It's always quite mind-bending to have our philosopher Kevin on the podcast, so thanks to him once again. But dear listener, what do you think about free will? Do you have free will? Do you just delude yourself? Are we all just deluded? Or are you a magnificent free will machine? Get in contact, greg at smartenough.org. You probably have no choice to do that. Or do you? Or, of course, at SE2KB on Twitter as well. Let us know if you think you had free will. Now, after this conversation, Kevin, Dan, and I talk for at least another 45 minutes. And I want to slot in a segment that I think it sounds really interesting that Kevin got into some more juicy stuff. So look after yourself, dear hearts, be excellent to each other, and we will talk again very soon. Bye! A philosopher called Frankfurt who came up with the Frankfurt mind control hypothetical scenario, and uh, the scenario is this. Uh, you are living your life when you go in for neurosurgery for some unrelated reason, and the fiendish neuroscientist implants a little gadget in your brain, and this little gadget lets him know the state of your brain and tweak it as he sees fit. And the goal of this neuroscientist in this case is going to be to get you to vote for Biden in the next U.S. election because you're living in the USA. And he's got his finger on the button. If he thinks you're going to vote for Trump, you'll press the button and change the causal connections in your brain so you don't do that. Uh, but it turns out that you do, based on the information you have and your uh, emotional feelings and your political views, you decide to vote for Biden and he never presses the button. Uh, Frankfurt would say you acted with free will even though you could never have acted otherwise. If you tried to do something else, they would have freaked your brain to stop you doing it. But because it was your choice to do it and no one stopped you doing it, that was acting with free will. Mm, okay. That's almost like saying you could train a dog and you could say to the dog, don't eat the treat. And if you eat the treat, I'm going to hit you. And the dog, you basically, you, that's very negative. Negative um, conditioning doesn't work very well, by the way. But let's get on that path. And so if in the end you keep hitting the dog and finally it learns not to eat the treat and it makes a decision to not eat that treat so it doesn't get belted, is it actually free will or is it operant conditioning? And well, therefore, no, you... it's more like in this case you put the treat down and you're going to hit the dog if the dog eats the treat, but it never does. Yes. Yeah, so yeah okay. Yes. The dog right. acting with free will. So uh, it... you could extend that and say that Imagine if you were if you had that device to always operate it on the thing that was the second best decision that that person would ever make, but they only ever make the best decision that they're going to make, and so you never have to hit the button. Is is that free will or is that not free will? Because they're always going to make that one decision, and you never press the that anti-free will button. That's a life lived with free will. It's indistinguishable from the life that they would have lived if they'd tried to do something else. You'd be forced to take their free will away. But they lived their whole life with free will because you never pressed that button to change what they were going to do. Is this... Have we just... Have we... Have we... Yeah, you're saying it's not free. I just horrible feeling that we've just described society. So as long as I freely choose to follow the rules and mm. not murder, and not steal, I can have mm. as much free will. I can have a big free will cakewalk down the street. I can go, free will is mine. Free As long as I do exactly what I'm told to do, and choose to do it, then I can have free will. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm going to go make some buttons. I'm going to fire gamma rays in people's brains. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs>